Hello Internet, this is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. Uh, we, it is Monday, uh, January 15th, when we're recording this, uh, and it is that most exciting time of the year for me, the time in which anything is possible, the time in which all of these teams and changes we've seen, uh, we all get to just theory craft and throw out wild opinions that will of course be wrong by the end of the split. Uh, and I am very excited to bring back a guest that uh, I haven't been able to have on in a while. Great dude, a uh, guy I consider a friend, and in one of my favorite casts in Europe, Devin Pyrotechnics Young. Devin, how you doing, man? Pretty good, dude. Uh, hi, thanks for having me on. I know a few people are making predictions that are really wrong by the end of the season, so uh, I'm right there with you. Perfect, yeah. See, every every once in a while, the key is to only bring up the ones you got right and just ignore everything else. And then suddenly, I'd, I'd be quiet if that was the case. Oh, well, fair enough. That's it's very, look. We all we all have our skill sets. I, I I think that that's that's fair. But this is this is a very interesting time to be uh, a League of Legends fan. Obviously, big changes in, in North America and Europe's got its own set of of changes. The the biggest of which I think is the best of ones for right now, as far as how it'll affect you in your day to day life. Um, Lots of different opinions on that. I, as a stats guy, I look at the smaller sample size and cry a little bit inside. But I, I get the sense you're probably on the other end of this discussion. Uh, why do you uh, think this, this move to best of ones is, is important here? Um, I, th I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about what's going to be the best for people watching, right? Like back when we had the old best of one system, and I think it was 2015 was the last time we did it. Uh, the games were just more individually exciting, right? Like, that's when we had the crazy Fnatic 18 and 0 uh, that I lost my voice calling. Before that, you know, it, it's just it's just a lot more like individual games where people will do more exciting, crazy stuff. The adaptation in best of threes that everyone was kind of really hyped on, like seeing teams get better, stronger, and more polished like the Korean teams were, uh, it didn't really materialize over, you know, over the time that we saw the teams doing it. We just saw teams being more cautious and trying not to give things up. And instead of like saying, okay, screw it, we can try to draft a cheesy comp and just overwhelm them and, and beat them in like a completely, completely nutty game. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that kind of stuff happen this year. See, that's, that's interesting because you would think in a best of three, it's like, oh, well, I can afford to throw away a game if it goes horribly wrong, if the cheese backfires, then I can adjust and make changes and try to beat them straight up in the next game. But you're, you're implying that like there's, there's this kind of fear of the loss of even a single game in that best of three. You don't want to be the one having to, to crawl back that you know, kept people from wanting to, to go in on those strategies? Yeah, I think I think it was. It's a little counterintuitive, I'll admit, uh, but it just didn't seem to happen that way. Like I, I saw teams not really going for really strange strategies or, or trying to do different things, even in those best of threes, or at least the way I, I I was seeing the games unfold. It seemed much more like stock standard. Maybe it has to do with more of the meta just didn't change as much in the year that we tried best of two and then best of three. Um, it, it's certainly possible that I'm kind of like reading it wrong there, but. I just remember more individually exciting games. And also, teams have to prepare for more than one opponent, too, right? Like, it's actually harder for the teams because they're going to be playing twice every week now, so they have to prepare for two completely different teams that might have two completely different play styles. Uh, and back when it was just best of threes, then they just prepared for one opponent. So, I don't know. It just it just seemed like there was a lot less uh, of a excitement factor when it comes down to, uh, like, teams' first games or even sometimes the second games, and 
you know, the only really, truly legendary series were like the ones that were up against some of the best teams in the LCS, like the Fnatic G2 Clash of Kings. That was always a super exciting series, but we only got to see it twice last summer. Yeah, and and people who, who watched EU less but uh, would can understand that the gap that existed between the playoff teams and the not playoff teams for a good chunk of the split. There were a lot of best of threes that felt like we knew what was going to happen before we went into it and then played out in exactly that way. And I, so I, I think that you're right. Honestly, it, it is there, – there weren't a lot of games I can think of off the top of my head that were just truly crazy, weird picks. I guess you could point to like Origin versus Rockad in the spring split. Or, uh, Rock, like that was, that was 2016 uh, summer, wasn't it? Origin versus Rockad. Uh, yeah, because Origin were – they got relegated in like at the end of 2016, I think. Is that right? I, you know, I go I, back on my back in my history lessons. Yeah, someone on the the uh, internet will correct us in the comments. I'm I'm just gonna be like super embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, they were there in the spring. Come on, obviously, guys. It's I I'm gonna look that up now. But honestly, it was just in general. I, I think that there's this idea that everything needs to be the most competitive all of the time uh, when it comes to formats. Like, the well, the best format is the most competitive format. And the numbers for viewership just weren't backing that up because I think you're right. I think that people knew how some of these things were going to play out. There wasn't a lot of crazy moments. And, I mean, you look at how, yeah, it, it was the summer, uh, the spring split, excuse me. That was 2017 spring. It feels forever ago. Yeah. For that I mean, it was, it was a long season. Yeah, and, and it felt longer than it, it probably would have in another format, right? Like, this was only 13 matches. We didn't even have, you know, the, the teams in the opposite groups play each other twice, but it felt very long. The 10 weeks was awkward. So, so what do you ultimately... Um, do you think people are like, more excited about this? Like when you talk to people about these format changes, like do you do you think that the average viewer understands the extra amount of hype that can kind of come into this and uh, it appreciates that, or are people kind of still clinging to that? Well, this is the way that someone like Korea does it, so that's that's where you go. Like, what's the kind of the pulse on the people? Hmm. Well, most of the people that I've I've seen on you know on Twitter or or social medias and stuff are pretty excited, but I, I don't think there's really any one particular cause. The format's part of it. Like in a sense, there's less games, so it's more exciting to see the games that are actually going to be unfolding. You know, there's a certain value and scarcity, right? Like last year with every region, every major region doing these like best of threes. There's just so much league that you can't even watch it all. Like I mean, it's my job, and I'm I have to pick like two or three regions to watch maximum because I just don't have any time to sleep uh otherwise and it's it's just really difficult so now it's a lot easier to catch things i think the the thing that fans seem most excited for and i'm really excited for is a better time uh it's been a, a big pain point for a long time that ulcs uh was not on weekends for the most part uh and and when we did have like four days into the weekend it wasn't always uh, at great times we always try to serve eu players first but you know we do have a global audience so making it at least somewhat friendly for na people to watch as well is, is kind of a secondary goal. I think changing the times around uh, for Friday and Saturday makes things a lot more clear cut. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's just better for as many people as possible. I think. Yeah. Nah, that's the change that makes me the happiest. Cause as someone who tends to prefer watching EU than NA, just because that was 
the region that I was really into back when I was studying at St. Andrews and really getting into uh, esports as, as a writer and content creator. Uh, that's the region I watched. And to see them kind of relegated a little bit to that Thursday, Friday spot to make it easier for, for North American fans was kind of a... It, it, it felt like they were treated like a second-class region a little bit at times with the production schedule. This feels like they're being the primary kind of time slot for their own region, which I think is a much nicer place to be. Um, yeah, I, there's, there's been a lot of debate about it um, over the years that, I, that I've been at the EU office. And uh, in before everyone starts saying, uh, you know, right, right, NA treats EU like garbage. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we, I mean, oftentimes we're, we're setting our own schedule, but it's, it's hard when you're on when you're on a certain time zone. Like EU is kind of a what you might call unlucky time zone uh, because it's just it's kind of hard to to please big like big viewership centers like like even the east coast of NA and especially the west coast just because of how far away it is and because of the direction it goes. Right. So like if you want to if you want to have something at night. Uh, for NA, that's like going to be early morning. If you want to have something in the morning or in the afternoon, it's going to be like ridiculously early in the morning. So we're talking like NA fans trying to watch Korean or uh, Chinese League of Legends. So yeah, it's it's always been a little difficult to try and broadcast for people that are uh, outside of CET or like within one time zone of it. And I think this new setup, especially moving one day to Saturday, is a really nice compromise. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with all of that. And honestly, like I, at the end of the day, when I, I weigh all of the pros and cons of the, you know, the format change in particular for me, uh, I get to watch all the games this time without killing myself in the process. So this is going to be Yay! quite nice. I can actually try to expand into some other regions and do things, you know. Uh, so I'm really excited um, to, to kind of see how all of that plays out. Um, I'm also very excited to see these regional leagues that are now getting a little bit more attention from Riot Europe. You know, they've talked about this kind of being their answer to the academy system, uh, having these regional leagues kind of step up and be a way for people to kind of compete for that promotion spot after the summer split. How important do you think that is for, for a region like Europe that finds themselves often at the mercy of these big North American teams importing so much talent away. What do you? How do you think these regional leagues, uh, you know, kind of help with this and again grow the region out in that way? In terms of like uh, building up talent that isn't LCS ready yet or things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in that and also, and I, I think uh, getting regional interest in a way that uh, sometimes you know people talk about when it comes to advertising, right? The companies. Uh, or that some of these teams have problems because it's in Germany and everything's in Germany and therefore, you know, companies that aren't based out of Germany sometimes have a hard time figuring out how to advertise with it. Do, do you think regional leagues help with, with the, the talent and I guess the, uh, the fan base and uh, advertising spectrum of it are two different things, but I, I'm curious to see kind of where, uh, how you like that system compared to maybe what we're seeing in North America now with the academy system. Well, I think that uh, for the longest time, I, I know regional leagues and and you know play, things that are especially more developed, like the LVP in Spain, uh, have been kind of on the mind of a lot of the people at, in Riot Europe. It's been something we wanted to shine a spotlight on for a while, uh, because it's a huge example of something that uh, we don't have as many hands on as uh, a lot of other stuff, a lot of the other big things that that Riot does from an esports production side. 
And we really want to shine a spotlight on how passionate the fans are about those particular uh, regions and, and the teams that come out of there. And, you know, they're not 100% uh, all going to be players from that region. You know, people kind of shuffle in and out a little while. Some teams in LCS, uh, like Giants is a notable example, having another team in LVP, things like that. So there's a little bit of crossover. Uh, but as far as uh, from, from bringing up the talent, it's, it is definitely a great place for them to get highlighted, for them to get good competitive experience. Uh, and at the same time, it's also really, really cool to see kind of like a much more organic league. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to any of these live finals or, or seen a lot of pictures from them. Uh, but, but again, I keep going back to the LVP because it's the one that's always in the front of my mind. It's just like it's crazy cool how many people and how loud they actually get for these types of big finals. They don't have to be specifically connected to the LCS. It doesn't have to be like, a, oh, you win and like you get a chance to promote up or whatever. Uh, but... You know, it kind of makes it, it, it feels a little bit more like this intercontinental thing. You have these teams that are all competing uh, in, in their own home leagues. You have the LCS teams that kind of feels a bit like a Champions League of like some of Europe's best of the best. Uh, and, and they can operate in tandem with one another too. So it, it's just generally like if you're somebody from a particular country in Europe, France, Spain, uh, I believe, uh, you know, like the Nordics are going to, you know, they kind of have their big thing with Ragnarok. Uh, a lot of these other countries, Poland is another one, having like their own their own league that said this is you know this is our country's league. These are some of the best players that are coming out of our country. You know, it's a, it's a national pride thing. It's something that doesn't necessarily translate a whole lot to like a North American audience, where we're just one big homogenous kind of blob of a culture. Uh, everybody has like lots of specific, distinct things, and you know, language is just one of those. Talking about advertising, yeah, it is difficult to advertise with LCS teams to you know, a German audience versus a Polish audience versus a Spanish audience, because a lot of the countries or a lot of the companies that want to advertise don't operate in some of those other ones. So this, this league, these leagues are a great opportunity for some of the sponsors to get involved for sure. Is it maybe a little bit less, uh, a little bit less upside than like, you know, the number of viewers that you're going to get off of an LCS broadcast? Sure. But it's a great place to start. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love the concept of these regional leagues. You know, they've been something that's kind of been bubbling under the surface for a while, like the diehard people knew that it existed, but hadn't gotten the same maybe attention just because it is, there was the, you know, the challenger scene as well as the LCS, and that's kind of what people stuck to. But having this kind of elevated now, I, I think does so much as far as giving that regional pride, allowing people to have, you know, you know I, I think that sometimes people forget how cool it can be, especially in North America. As you said, we're like a blob. We have so many of our own players from that one thing. But like I have a friend uh, who comes from Denmark, and she used to love the Copenhagen Wolves because that was the Danish team. And that mattered to her because that roster was all Danish, and therefore she felt like she was seeing her country on the stage, and therefore that was the best place to be. It's also why she liked TSM because of Bjergsen, and we forgave her for There's that. There's a lot of Danes in TSM too. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, there has been. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. It's, so it, it's, it's nice to have that, and I, I think that it has more of an effect than people realize. And I hope that regardless of what happens uh, in 2019 and on for you know a franchise system or I hope not the like 24-team, four-region, the six leagues that all come together. Champions that, League. Yeah. It's Champions League. I, I, I get that. I, I do. Um, I... I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just maiming about it. Don't worry. No, I I, I and I appreciate that. I, I think the number of of the problem is the number of teams for that, right? Like 24 teams would be a lot of teams to kind of 
uh, try to fill out at this point. Yeah. I guess the Dude, part- ten teams, ten teams is hard to fill out. It seems sometimes. Yeah, we uh, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit towards the end of the podcast. But I, I want to talk to you before we move on to the the game analysis on casting, because I, I think casting is one of those things that's come up in conversation a little bit more recently. Um, there are a lot of people who have talked about you know trying to get that next set of casters going into the game, and so. I want to start with uh, with your experience as a caster. Uh, you obviously, uh, you know, last year was, a, I think, a big year for you. Um, what are the things that you learned over the course of last year? What were, like, the biggest lessons that stood out? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think in, in a lot of ways there were, there were a lot more stumbling blocks, at least for me professionally last year, than there ever have been. Uh, partially it's because the bar gets higher every year, right? You... you uh, you're all, every, every professional caster is like always striving to get better and better and better. And that means everyone, you know, kind of competing for a limited number of spots that are available inside and out outside of, of like already established caster teams. It, it's always more difficult to try and like continue pushing forward and finding your niche is super, super important. Like, uh, the most important thing I learned is that you need to be really consistently on brand with, you know, with who your personality is as a caster. And I'm not saying you know, it has to be 100% everything you think and do all the time. But when you're on the desk, you want to present like a very consistent face. If you're the funny guy, then you should stick to trying to do funny stuff. Uh, even if it's a serious match, it doesn't mean you can't fit in a little bit of funny things every now and again. If you're uh, the kind of person that's known for like really hard-hitting analysis, you probably should do a lot of that no matter what, even if the games are, uh, you know, clown fiestas and things like that. Um I, there's obviously always wiggle room, but but being like consistent with the face that you show to the audience, I think, is important. Uh, and it's it's something that I kind of learned the hard way because uh, towards this year uh, or on the back half of this year, I really experimented a lot. Uh, and you could say that's a good thing, but I, I didn't have a lot of uh, conscientious thought behind, you know, what what sort of what sort of brand I wanted to project. And I think as a result, I, I was sort of forgettable. Um, and, and that was something that you know I, I tried to learn from at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, it is, there, there is that kind of balance there, right? Like you want to be able to experiment so you can kind of grow from those lessons because if, if you don't try things, you're never going to learn what works and what doesn't. But there is something about once you feel comfortable in who you want to be and, and what role you see yourself within the, the kind of casting team as a whole, I, I, I think that you're, you're right. Having that, that couple things that you stand out as and can be memorable for people uh, is, is important. And so I, I guess you, you talk about, you know, having all those experiments towards the end of last year. Where have you ended up on that? Where do you kind of see your role now within the junior team? Well, I think it's probably no surprise that, like, the biggest thing that I've always been is just being, like, really hype and really excited. And, and you know, you think that, oh, that's, that's like a basic thing that casters need to be, right? Like, there's, there's definitely truth to that, but for me, like, calling a game that's even one that's not super, super excited – uh, but or that's super, super exciting, but has like, you know, a couple of exciting moments that you can kind of like hype up and get people to jump out of their seats. That's the important thing. That's, that's what I want to uh, bring out in people. Um, I, I've often had people tweet at me saying like, yeah, dude, sometimes it feels like you're just sitting on the couch with me and you know, we're, we're, we're cracking a cold one with the boys or whatever. And, and you're just getting really exciting and excited and jump off the couch. I'm like, that's, that's kind of the thing I want to go for. Like I, I'm sort of a layman, right? Like I'm, I'm, a 
let's see, what do the EU players call it? Uh, boosted. Um, I'm really bad at League of Legends, so I, I kind of, I kind of want to embrace that and just represent like you know your your average silver or even bronze player and just just kind of get excited about plays maybe even if they're not like the best quality all the time uh because anyone can get really stoked about like an insane outplay like faker does something incredible uh and everyone's just like i mean at this point people are just kind of expecting that but uh i want i want that excitement to be what people feel even if it's something that you know compared to the world's best maybe isn't all that great of a feat because in the in in the small nucleus of the game uh it's still an incredible thing if somebody pops off and gets like a triple kill that that gets my blood pumping and that's what i want people to feel yeah and, and i think that when you love the game enough to get that excitement it's kind of, it's contagious you know people want to enjoy so, the the company of people who love the thing that they love as much as they do and i i think that that passion is something that i've always loved about your casting because i am very much the same way and also just as terrible at the game I don't know. I don't remember if I've told this story on the podcast. I knew there's a reason we get along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, back when I was coaching in, in Istanbul for a few months, I my players actually asked me not to finish my promos because they were afraid if people saw how badly I was ranked, they wouldn't want to split with us anymore. So they actually pulled me aside when I was at nine games. It was like, please don't play ranked anymore. We can pretend you're smurfing if you don't if you don't have a rank. So that was that's that was my if that I I choose to take that as well. They cared enough about me not to uh, want me to embarrass myself. But you know, uh, as my yeah, sister, it's nice. Yeah, as my it's sister nice. once said, I've got the reflexes of a dead cow. I'm doing my best, you know. Uh, yeah, mechanics are hard. Mechanics are really difficult. That's why I play hard stuff the entire time. Absolutely. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no, and we're closing on that for the record. I haven't told you this, but we do need to. We do need to talk the Hearthstones. Oh, okay. All right. But, but I, I do want to I'll touch... bust out my deck strats. Yeah, absolutely. I do, I do want to talk one more thing about casting um, when it comes to League of Legends specifically. Because this was an argument uh, that was kind of a very interesting argument between Kelsey Moser and Frost Guren on, on Twitter recently. You know, Frost Guren was in the camp of like, we need that next, you know, br you know, age of casters, right? Like, we're always looking for more fresh caster talent and people who can kind of take that next step, you know, maybe for regions that don't, you know, that need a little bit more fleshing out on, on the back half so that we don't mm -hmm. burn out casters. Uh, and, and Kelsey Moser came from the sense of League already has so many casters. You should be going to basically any other game right now that's open like a PUBG or maybe, you know, try to do like Overwatch in kind of the lower circuits there because there isn't as much established talent yet. Where, where do you kind of stand on, on that issue? If, if someone wanted to become a caster right now, would you recommend like sticking to League if League was a game that they loved? Or would you say there are a lot of other opportunities out there that maybe have a, an easier path to success for you? Where, where do you come down on it? I, I think it really depends on, on how reasonably you can break into something. Like it, it's, it's completely up to like what is the time and budget that you have to make this a for yourself right like if you are if you are an established amateur caster in league of legends for example that is a crowded field there are a lot of people that want to break in it's a very successful esport it's you know it's the biggest one of all time blah 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 uh and basically you know if, if a line is long you're gonna have to wait until your either your chance comes or you have to be so good 
that people are jumping to take you and pluck you out of that line. So it's very difficult, the more competitive a field is, uh, to, to get on board. It, it's not impossible. Um, and what I like to tell amateur casters is, you know, you, you, need to, you need to put yourself in the right place so that once the right time comes along, then you'll get noticed. Admittedly, it's easier for me to say that because when I was an amateur caster, the scene was very different. Uh, but still, just prior to that, there was a time when it was completely unthinkable that big-name casters like Joe Miller would ever be gone. But once they were, then it was a lot easier for me to jump on a plane and come to Berlin. So I guess what I'm saying is like people move around all the time. And if you're really dedicated to one esport, yeah, you should stick with it. But you should definitely explore your options, right? Like if you're if you're not married to league, but you just love MOBAs in general, look at Dota. Um, I, I mean, there's no reason to even look at Heroes of the Storm. I, I don't think it's huge, but it's still like it's got a scene, right? There's there's always options around. And yeah, you mentioned like PUBG and Overwatch are up and coming. Uh, you know, we saw some some talent on Overwatch League that uh, this last week that that isn't. Um, some of you know that, that haven't been super visible before because while they've been doing overwatch it, it hasn't been like really big so people will always get their breaks there's always be a chance there's plenty of esports that you know don't exist yet that probably will in a couple of years so i think if you're a caster you definitely need to be able to be flexible but if you've got your heart set on one particular title then just make sure you know you're you're going to be the best at that to make it work yeah i i i agree with you wholeheartedly mostly you know i, I think that you know, people who say, oh, just switch games don't understand that so much of casting is your passion for the game. You know, people can tell if you're being inauthentic and just forcing kind of yourself to, to learn this new game just because it's the new game to learn. I, I think people can tell and I think people within the scene can probably notice that as well. It's just, it's not going to be as natural to you. It's not going to be as, you know, it's not, it's going to be harder to kind of force those big moments where if you already love the thing, if it's something you are passionate about and you're interested in and you enjoy, that will also come off in, in your discussion of it. So I, I think that certainly if you have an interest in a game other than League, I think there are certain games that have an easier path for you right now, at least as, as we know the casting scene today. But if you love League, I, you, you love League of Legends and it's a game that's very easy to love and it's a game that has a lot of other people who love it too. And I think that Hopefully, we're going to see um, some more opportunities. You know, if Tyler One can get a tournament going with a whole bunch of you know challenger guys and get three hundred thousand views, right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Um, my new casting attire is gonna the the sleeveless shirts and vests. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get Jack just for the season. Just wait, you can't you can't see it under here yet. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I like it. April Fools, I think everyone Tyler One on the entire broadcast. I can get in on that. Um, I, you know, actually, that's uh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, can, you can... I mean, I, I mean, I kid, but like that 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 takes it back to like the old the old days of like silly tongue in cheek production, like out of a bedroom. Like you, you got to give it to Tyler One, like that. That's a really really inventive uh, way to get a lot of viewers, and it was a fun tournament to watch. And it, like it, it kind of goes to show that that you don't always need like insane production levels to make something entertaining yeah it, if if you understand what you're trying to to sell to people and, and provide something that is fun uh people will come and and, it, and they did and 
you know, Tyler One's stream has been obviously very successful since he's now been unbanned and, and came back. So that's that's one of those things where regardless of what you, you think of the guy, if he's your type of content creator or not, very, you know, very great guy to watch in terms of like what your potential can be if you can come up with an idea that is purely your own and find a way to, to, to kind of sell that. Um, you, you, can, you will find a place, I, I think. But we, yeah. we, need to, uh, we need to talk about Europe. We've, we've skirted around it for, for long enough now. Um, I already did my, my big roundtable preview by the time that people are, are watching this. So we don't necessarily have to talk about every team. But I, I feel like this league right now is divided into three obvious tiers right now. And you can argue four, depending on how much you really like the top couple of teams. Uh, but let's let's start from the bottom. Uh, Giants and Rocket both seem to be teams that a lot of people are, are, are worried about. Uh, as a Rocket fan, I'm terrified uh, of this split. I, I think that there there are some some problems on I think both rosters, some of which not necessarily their fault, right? Like Giants had four of their five guys that made it to the you know through the challenger scene, kind of signed away by Vitality, but... Yeah, it's going to be a good grudge match, by the way. I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be fun. We haven't had, like, a natural rivalry like that come about in a while. So that's going to be, that's going to be cool. But uh, when you look at these rosters, are they as bad as people think? Are, are these rosters as, as weak as maybe they may look on paper? Or do you think there's some potential that people could be watching out for? Um, all right, so just before I answer that question, I'll just let you know that the other thing I do kind of think about myself as an optimist. So I'll, on that note, uh, it does look really bad for these teams, but I like what Rocket have done historically, which is they've taken people that haven't really given anyone a reason to be excited, and they've been able to work some magic. It's It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a mini unicorns of love effect where like they bring in people that nobody really knows done anything in their league careers that people are aware of. Uh, and and somehow they come together to do something like last year's Rocket. Uh, you know, they were they were slaying kings, right? Like they nearly made the playoffs in spring. They knocked off G2 uh, in the summer, even though they also lost to the G2 sub squad. We're going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, but like I, I look at their lineup and I'm like, OK, well, you know, if, if you just run it down like profit. He was on NIP. Like the guy didn't get a chance to do a whole lot. I'm not going to be a total apologist. Like he, you know, he probably still has some communication issues. But this is a dude that was on SKT at one point. the 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 golden hand of Faker has touched his shoulder. Uh, so clearly, he's got some potential there. I know that's a loaded term, potential, but whatever. I think he has it in him to be a good top laner. I I wonder if he's going to have the chance on this team. Uh, Memento. I think also hasn't had a ton of a chance because he's been on Giants when they got relegated. Like I don't think he's a fantastic jungler, uh, but we saw we saw a little bit of glimmers of brilliance out of him. I think he's a very smart player. Just talking to him, you know, he thinks about the game in in a lot of a lot of interesting ways. Um, I actually really want to see him more on like the analyst desk, for instance, and in interviewing uh, just just to get a sense of like what he thinks the team is doing. Um, Blanc, I'm not. I, I think I think everyone's actually probably like hyped for him. I don't know that much about him, so I'm going to kind of reserve judgment, to be honest. Um, and then the bottom lane is, I guess, probably where the really big obvious weak points are. Hiku 
hasn't really shown us much in his in his short time in the LCS. And Norskaren's coming in brand new, so I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect. But here is the big silver lining for this team. They have the uh, undefeated Freddy 122 as a coach. Uh, when he when he subbed into coach uh, Rocket during the last season, uh, he they didn't lose a game. Just want to put it out there. Uh, so if you can keep his record intact, uh, Rocket can go all the way to the playoffs. Uh, but 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 in all honesty, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough a tough call for this team. Like it, you look at the squad, and you kind of feel like it was thrown together. It's it, it doesn't really look all that exciting on paper. You know, they're they're one of the few teams now in Europe that are kind of like, okay, well, let's pick up some Koreans and hope it works for the best. But I think that's all surface level, right? Like, I I, I refuse to believe that there wasn't some deliberate. Uh, there's some deliberation in how they put this team together and that, that they really just like gathered up whatever they could find. So we'll see if it actually does pan out, if they can pick up some surprising games. And no one is really giving them a lot of a chance, so they've really got nowhere to go but up. Uh, then for Giants, I think this one is, is, is definitely a little bit more, uh, more dire. I actually have this team rated as my 10th. Um, just because looking at their lineup, I'm, I'm a little less excited for it than I am for Rocket. Uh, Ruin is the only guy that's that's still staying on this team. Um, and, and I don't think he was particularly noteworthy in, in, in Giants' victory uh, in back into the LCS. It was the other four guys, the betrayers that went to Vitality, if you will. Uh, and then I look at the rest of it, and you kind of got these old Vitality guys like Joko and Steelback. Uh, Betsy, who's been around forever, but like, I mostly think of him as like he's good at Swain, and that's yes. kind of it. Uh, so if Swain comes back into meta, maybe this is a good team. I don't know. Targamas, I, I don't really know anything about him. So uh, like, there's there's too many unknowns and too many you know kind of older players that we haven't seen much from. The the exception to that rule on the positive track, you know, right? It's a positive positive notion. Uh, Sealback at one point was a great player. This is a lot of people can forget that this is a guy that was on Fnatic during uh, during their early run in, in 2015 and then got booted when Reckless came back to the lineup uh, because he couldn't hang with the big boys at MSI. But prior to that, he looked really good. Uh, he's always been a very reserved player. He sits back, he cleans up kills. You know, you think like the gin, like three man ulting curtain calls, that kind of stuff. Uh, but he is a very smart player in, in a lot of ways. And I think Steelback uh, is never the kind of player who just sits back and doesn't care. He always tryhards. Uh, you think that, you know, that's requirement to play in the LCS, but towards the end of a season, when you feel like it doesn't matter anymore, like you can see players kind of visibly getting a little sluggish, losing some motivation that never happens to steal back. So if that attitude is kind of infectious, maybe he can rally this team. Maybe he can bring them all together. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not super hopeful for this team's chances, but again, just like rocket, there's no expectations. So maybe they can surprise people. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I try to be an eternal optimist as well. Um, so I, you know, the one thing I could say for Giants, Steelback has been at his best when he is the number one primary carry and is given as much gold share as possible. He probably I, will be on this team too. Yeah, you know, he absolutely should be. If if they're not, then Giants, I, I I don't know what Giants strategy would be outside of that. But I honestly like I I watch enough Betsy games to kind of know how I feel about him. Not. Not ideal, but I do think Steelback has some room uh, to, to maybe do some things. Targamas, you know, 17-year-old, you know, very raw. That's right. He's really young, yeah. Yeah, he was playing in the French National League because he wasn't old enough to qualify for the Challenger Series. So, not the only one that did that this year, by the or this last year. It's yeah. a sheriff. Sheriff, yeah, which we'll, we'll talk about him in a bit because I am excited for him. But, oh, good, because I need to know some stuff about him. I haven't, I haven't seen him play, actually. 
Okay, good. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. So I I, I will say I'm Rock X just because I have to touch on them because they're my favorite team. Uh, I think communication is going to take some time. I, I think that trying to figure out how they're going to communicate between the English players and the Korean players is going to take some time. I think which player is going to emerge as the in-game leader is going to take some time. Mm-hmm. I hope that by the summer split, you know, we see a couple games towards the end where they're starting to put things together. I have a lot of faith in Freddy One Two Two. I've heard nothing but great things from everybody. Great, great talking. coach, man, undefeated. Yeah, I know. We haven't had a coach that good since Daylor. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, I, I, I'm. That's where I'm putting my my faith, <laughs> and I'm just accepting it's going to be rough for a bit. But if they can start building some momentum towards the end. Maybe this team does some things in some. I, I got a, I got a question for you, Chase. I know it's your interview, but are, are you? Oh, uh, audio cut up there. Can you repeat the question? Are you Are you secretly the Rocket Reddit guy? I'm not the Rocket Reddit guy. I do know the Rocket Reddit guy. Great dude. Uh, I I love talking to him. Uh, I can only hope that in my role at Unicorn, I can grow into that. Now that I'm doing social media, that things. that I'm guy is an optimist. Yes. That... Yeah. That that guy had uh, some fun with uh, with G2's Reddit guy over the course of the offseason quite a bit. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to when they when they face off again, even because that 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 series has history now. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that's uh, those were my fondest moments from last year. So I'm I'm certainly uh, excited to see how all that plays out. Uh, the, now the next group of teams that I kind of lumped together, it's the race for the sixth seed, because I think there are three teams that can all challenge for it, and which one you think gets it is a matter of what you value in, in a team and what kind of strategy you think is best suited for this particular split. Uh, and that would be Vitality, H2K, and the Unicorns of Love. Um, I yeah. have been told multiple times that I'm not allowed to underestimate the Unicorns of Love again. Yost, the owner of Unicorns of Love, when I, I reach out to him. A, a, like, a lot of people say that. Yeah, it's just we, they always mostly mostly out. wearing pink. Yep, yeah, exactly right. Uh, but but you know every time I've counted them out, they always make the playoffs. But then you have this H two K team who has some young guys with a lot of promise, uh, not promise Q, Q per se, but promise nonetheless. <laughs> had to be done. Had to God. be done. And, and veterans certainly uh. a good mind from the game. Uh, anyone who's followed him on Twitter would would can attest to that. And then this Vitality team who's found a way to take Cabochard and get the core of this Giants gaming squad that was a fun team to watch in Challengers. So, of these three teams, which one do you think has the best chance to get that final playoff spot and maybe surprise some people? Uh, just Vitality immediately. Like, the, the, their four of their squad is been playing together for a while. I, I Without... Without making it seem like too much, oh, we're excited because they they won into LCS from Giants. That team looked good. Yeah. Like that is a very talented squad. Like again, sub, subbing ruined for Kabushard. I think like the difference there might be negligible. Um, so synergy is really the only difference. Uh, even if Kabushard ends up being a complete non-factor and goes even in lane, uh, you've got Gilius who uh, he's. We, the big question is always, does he put his money where his mouth is? But he is a skilled player. He's been around in the scene for a long time. Um, and and I think he, he commands respect to that team. Uh, you've got Jizuke, who's a very hyped player coming in. You know, the Italian Stallion is, is what everyone refers to him as. Uh, and then Mini Trupax, who is actually my player to watch this season. A lot of people are talking about upside. I think he's a fantastic talent. But Mini Trupax actually impressed me more from Challenger and from the promotion series. 
uh, just generally from from his uh, just his mechanics alone. Like like there's so many good eighty carries in in Europe this year, and I have the feeling that he's going to be one of the top ones, uh, maybe outside of someone like Reckless or Yarnin. But uh, I'm super stoked for him just in general, and and then Jack Troll I think is more of like an average support, but but overall I think the core of this team is strong enough to take a sixth seed. Uh, and they should hit the ground running because they've, they've been together more or less uh, than a lot longer than all these other teams who were kind of pulled together in the offseason. Yeah, no, I, and I, I, I totally understand the argument. Um, I do like this giant, like, I liked that Giants team a lot. Uh, they were the team that I most enjoyed watching in the, in the Challenger Series last split um, because Jazuke is awesome. I do like that we finally have an Italian player hitting the main stage. On a we got more representation. Portuguese love, player too, many troop acts. I love it. I love, I, I think that this, this team definitely has a lot of potential. And, and I always say, especially in the spring split, stability reigns because that the teams that have played together long enough and kind of know what the system is uh, can come into week one already prepared while other teams are still figuring out who's the shot caller, how does this communication thing work, how do all of our skill sets work together. So I, I do think there's a very strong case I have always had my problems with Gilius. Uh, this has been a popular or unpopular opinion, depending on when it's been asked. Uh, I think that he looked very good in the 2017 summer split. I think that he looked pretty rough in the spring split. Uh, I think that some of his uh, worst games have come in high-pressure situations. But the early games of the regular season here, when you look at their schedule, he, he should have some time to kind of uh, to roll into it. I, I think those are very winnable games for Vitality in that first yeah. week. So, you know, building some confidence in that regard, I, I think this this team could be scary. I I have such a hard time ruling out Unicorns of Love just because this Sheepy, I think, is uh, criminally underrated as a coach. I have no idea how he hasn't won a coach of the Split Award yet, uh, given how like the, some of these Unicorns of Love rosters teams have, have overperformed expectation-wise. Oh. All right. Well, I could talk about Sheepy a little bit, um, yeah. but before we move off Vitality, don't don't forget that that's still going to be crewed by Yamato Cannon. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to see if that talent can be molded uh, by him because he does have a reputation for that. Mm-hmm. Unicorns, I I don't I'm not like taking them lightly because of their coach. I think Sheepy Sheepy is kind of like he's like the good cop in every good cop bad cop scenario. Like he's he's nice. I don't know how he is specifically with his players, uh, but every interaction I've had with him is he, he just strikes me as like a really like warm, like friendly guy. He's like, he's like the dad that's taking the kids in the minivan to go play soccer. And like, he's coaching them, but he's never going to be like super negative, at least not, not from my feeling. Right. I don't, I'm not in the house. I don't know like how he actually coaches the team. Um, but unicorns have always felt more like a family than a team to me. And that, that's also the, you know, the owner, Joss is also sheepy's dad. Like they are kind of tight knit that way. Um, and, and their new lineup I think there's some excitement to be had there, for sure. I, I just don't think it's quite as strong at the beginning as what Vitality offers, and and th- there's definitely some hype, right? Like because you look at some of their older players. I think Samix is still a name that a lot of people should be hype, should be really hyped for. He had some incredible plays last last year, uh, and and generally speaking, you know, the, you know my feeling on European AD carries. I think this is a year that's great for them. He's in that same mold. The uh, having having trashy is now called cold uh, in the jungle. I think is a good thing too because it's a lot of experience. 
even if he ends up being kind of average, it's like maybe it's not his meta because he's more of like a tank jungle player and there's probably going to be a lot of carries. I think he'll be serviceable. Um, there's still some question marks around Exile. He did not play well in the summer, and I, I don't really know what to think about him right now. I, I, I wonder what will happen with this new lineup if maybe like they try to like camp for him or if he's going to start playing more like control mages because that's the meta for it. I, I'm not really certain. So uh, that's that's where I'm a little bit worried for this team. Uh, I'm also worried because I don't know anything about Totoro except that he played for the BBQ Olivers. I think it always sucks losing Hillisang. I mean, this team lost like, their backbone and you know, you're not going to be able to replace that. And, and I, I don't know if there's communication issues with Totoro. I don't know if he's going to be able to speak good English off the bat, but as far as I'm aware, this is his first non-Korean team. Um, and then the other question mark is White Knight, right? He like, he's a, he's a, uh, will he be good enough to tangle with some of the best tops in the EU? I, I think maybe for some of those other like sixth to eighth place teams, probably, but beyond that, I'm, I'm not so certain. I mean, he's got he's got to show me before I believe. Yeah, and, and that's very fair. You know, White Knight's one of those guys. I remember when he first entered the Challenger Series, everyone's like, oh, man, White Knight's here. He's number one on the ladder, like great solo two player. Like he's going to come out and tear people apart. And that didn't happen. That hasn't been the White Knight story since he's been in the Challenger scene. Uh, I think that there's still some timing things when it comes to his teleports that need to be improved. Okay, we're back. Uh, <laughs> Drop happened. It's fine. Hey, <laughs> German internet. Sorry about that, guys. Woo, woo. No, it, it, uh, it's all good. Uh, but we're going to back to the Unicorns of Love real quick. Um, I think you nailed it when you talked about communication uh, being the thing that's going to decide how this team goes. Uh, when I've talked to uh, multiple people uh, kind of heading into the split, getting opinions on rosters, one of the things that came up is that Exile was doing a lot of the shot calling in the summer split. And when he was trying to balance that and his laning mechanics, things went wrong. Uh, it kind of was a lot for him to process. And there have been a lot of players over the years that have kind of struggled with that. Not everyone can be a shot caller. So Cold is certainly someone where, you know, you can say what you will about his mechanical play. Uh, certainly in a carry meta, I, I have concerns on that end. But he does understand the game well enough that I think he can play that role. And hopefully that takes some pressure off of Exile. Uh, I, I do think it's going to take a little bit of time just because... From what we can tell, Totoro does not speak English very well yet. He's still learning. He has asked on Twitter for people yeah. to be patient with him, and I, I am willing to do that. You know, there's no relegation in the spring split. So if everything goes wrong, they've still got some time to kind of reset and figure out what it is they need to do. Um, but they're, they're a team that always seems to kind of figure it out. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how they make the most out of some guys that maybe um, we're still waiting to see kind of where they ultimately end up. Uh, from from their current talent level. But I, yeah. I want to move on to the next tier of, of teams. I, I do think there are two teams that we can say aren't necessarily title contenders yet at this point, but have the talent that has people thinking they're going to be a playoff team for sure unless a lot of things go wrong. And that would be Schalke and Splice. Uh, those are two teams Ooh. that kind of have put themselves together from a whole bunch of different parts uh, but have put together some some rosters that you could have seen like as a, a second or third all pro team at different times. Uh, lots okay. of, of potential there. So I think you might have rustled a few jimmies there, Chase. Oh, have I really? Some, 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 I mean, like playoff contenders, absolutely. I think I think there's definitely 
even more hype than that around some of these teams. But I'll, sorry, I'll let you continue. I'll just yeah, preview. Okay. I mean, that, that's fine. I, I have three that I am putting in the title con- uh, in the title contention above them, but certainly they have potential. There's a lot of talent on both of these rosters. So what, kind of looking at, at both of these teams, what, what do you think makes them so uh, exciting, just seeing how all these different pieces will fit together? And, and if you think one of, or two of them should be in that, uh, that title contender spot, what, what are maybe, what am I missing that I should be thinking about putting them in my top two or top three? All right, well, I'll go with the one that I think is on, is on like most of the public's minds, and that's Schalke. Uh, because that's a team that, I mean, first off, it's it's a bigger, badder, better iteration of Schalke, which, you know, of course, big European football club, a lot of people are super excited about that. Um, but I think what's really exciting about this team is is more or less the all-star lineup they pulled together. And, and you know, you can, you can debate a few a few of those players, but, I mean, you've got, you pulled in Vizicacci from Unicorns, who has been, like, a consistent, like, hot performer, He's had like maybe you could say he had a downturn in the summer, but I, I believe he was our MVP of the spring. The dude's been playing in LCS for as long as unicorns have been around, which is 2014, and he has always been like kind of a hard to predict, like carry style top laner, but he can play tanks. The dude can pretty much do everything. Um, and, and then you look at like Upset, who is who is very very arguably the the hottest AD carry, the hottest rookie coming into LCS. Everybody's got their eyes on this kid, and you put him with Vander who, while maybe isn't like the best support of all time, is a very, very experienced player who you know can definitely inject some uh, leadership into the team because you've got a lot of younger players like Pride Stalker. Uh, he, he dropped the Stalker part, but uh, like I don't think he's necessarily had his chance to shine yet. We saw a few good plays on Rocket, but not a whole lot else. Um, and then I've saved the best for last because, I mean, come on, man, nuked up. This is a guy who's been around for so long. He has such an incredible story. He was on Lemon Dogs. He made Worlds in Season 3. He gets banned for being toxic. He comes back, and he builds himself up and consistently performs uh, beyond what expectations are. This guy's always punching above his weight. We saw him on Vitality. I, I personally think he won B9 a good chunk of last split. Yes. Um, not not to totally like you know throw shade at all of the Vitality players, but... In my mind, Nuke Duck has always been a great player or a player that has greatness in him that has never been on a great team. Um, maybe you can go back to Lemon Dogs, but again, Season 3 was a different time. Uh, and it's it's actually before I was really paying as much attention to League as I am now. So it's a bit more hazy back then. But I'm just excited for this lineup because you look at everything top to bottom. And while there's uncertainty, there's talent. Well, there's, you know, I don't know if the talent's all there. You have some of the most experienced players. Like, between Chachi, Vander, and Nuke Duck, that's, like, years of LCS experience, right? So, and they've got the backing of football clubs. So there's clearly some infrastructure that they've invested in. I think that this team definitely has the potential to compete for the title. I'm not, I'm not going to give it to them, right? Like, because you've got to go through Fnatic and G2 and, and Misfits and everybody else before you get there. Uh, but... I look at this team and I'm kind of like, this is a team that has a lot of talent, has a lot of experience, like all, you know, all combined. It seems well balanced. It seems very meticulously crafted. And and it's just, unless they just spectacularly collapse, I, I see no reason why this team isn't, isn't at least semifinals material. Yeah. I, I mean, that's very fair. Uh, the talent here is undeniable. I, I think that is safe to say. 
Uh, I, I do think people sleep on, on Nuke Duck just because he hasn't been on that great team. This is this is year, man. This is the Nuke Duck. This is the Nuke Duck year. Well, at the You're very the least, it's it's put up or shut up here because this is he has enough talent around him now. There is no excuse if he doesn't have a great season that kind of pulls them into a, a strong playoff run. Um, yeah, I, that's I, true. He's got he's got to he's got to show it. Yeah, but but I mean, but I think he will. He had more solo kills than any other mid laner last split. Uh, that was something that you know was constantly impressive to me is how well he could read those duels and really use that pressure. And he did it on like Corky and shit. I mean, the dude <laughs> was just sniping people with bombs. It was honestly it's so much fun to watch him play. Yeah, it's it's like awesome. he's such a sick player. And and I and I look forward to having him on here. I I, I will say uh, on the Chachi point, um, I've I've been doing a pretty deep statistical analysis on him because I'm working on an article right now for Unicorn. Uh, that it, it's it's tough to to for a guy like me who's who's very much in like the top laner is your engaged guy and it has the consistency to help set up the team fights the way you want. Visit Chachi had the exact same de average deaths per game uh, in the spring split and the summer split. The difference was just the ability to convert on it, and and I think the difference was that people knew these are the kind of fights that Visit Chachi will always pick. So let's see if we can throw that extra jungler in there and catch him off guard. Let's see if we can kind of lure him into kind of skirmishes that he doesn't necessarily need to go into. Um, and, and that to me is a concern. Uh, I'm not going to say it takes away from how good of a player he is from a talent perspective, from a laning perspective. He's clearly very good. He was in spring an absolute monster and earned that MVP award. But I, I do think that at least when we're looking at like consistency, you know, can you trust that he's going to be that kind of beast on this team? I think if this team's going to be really good, it's going to be from the bottom half of the map. It's going to be Nuke mm. Duck and Upset really taking those team fights well so that whether you have the great Vizichachi game or the okay Vizichachi game, it's not going to matter because the team fighting that they have potentially here is incredible. Uh, and I think will matter more than maybe the skirmish potential that defined the Unicorns of Love roster. I, I agree with you. I, I actually want to I want to uh, flip it up then because a team that's like the exact opposite of what you described is the other team that's kind of in this bracket you put, which is Splice. Like you look at that team, and that's that's a top heavy talent team, right? Yes. You've got the Romanian duo of Odoamne and Zerse in the top in the jungle, and when you talk about like top lane stability. You can't really think of any other name in Europe besides Odawamne. Like the dude is like literally a rock. Like you can't shake him, and he takes these bad matchups all the time and still wins them. Like he's definitely a contender for one of the best top laners in Europe. I think you know he's going to have to fight Soaz for that. But um, I'm really excited for this team as well because uh, I think they took a lot of talented players from a lot of different spaces. And threw them together in in a lineup that looks pretty cool, at least on paper. Like some of that is is, is buzz, right? Like uh, aside from the top in the jungle, I mean, there's definitely question marks around Niski uh, because he he went you know after winning with Fnatic Academy, he looked really really hype, and then he went over to NA and played on Envy. It was kind of like eh. Uh, so we'll see how he does, especially in the pool of European mid laners. But Kabi is always a player that's that's been good. I think he may not have necessarily filled into his position or filled into his reputation if you will like he has he has carry potential but he doesn't always hit it and I, i'm wondering if kissing has still got it uh because we haven't heard much of kissing the last year right he was kind of in he was kind of stuck in challenger for a little while a little hard stuck uh but the last time he was in lcs he played really well 
um, on, I believe, on the old Vitality roster, and prior to that H2K. So we'll see if you know we'll see if Raymond still got it because he he earned himself a pretty good reputation, and and if he delivers, I feel like the Splice team is definitely one to watch out for. Yeah, I, I think the name of the game for the Splice team is uh, potential and growth. Um, there are a lot of young guys on here in, in Xerxes and Niski who we're looking at. What does year two look like of your LCS career? Um, if Xerxes keeps developing, I mean, I, I thought he did wonders for the defensive love team. At times, I thought he was the most valuable part of that team in terms of how he facilitated the growth of his teammates. He really did a lot to set them up for success and allow them to optimize uh, some of those laning matchups from time to time. Uh, so I, I really like the guy in terms of the kind of the pathing decisions that he makes. And I thought Niski got better as the split went on. I think his playoff series with Envy was the best that he looked. Um, I, I thought he did very well in, the, in that particular series. Um, definitely had some, some mixed reviews before that. But if this is an upwards curve, this team could be real good. Um, so yeah. it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that all settles itself out. Another... I. Uh, uh, Brazilian coach, uh, the guy Peter Dunn this time. Yeah, Peter Dunn. Dead. He's getting a lot of buzz too these days. Actually, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of merited when you're when you're coming from INTZ, right? It like that's that's a big Brazilian squad. Everybody kind of thinks about them. I mean, they're not like red cannons from Worlds, but like that's that's a team with a lot of history as well. Um, and it's just how how well is he going to shape this team? I, I we I, we talked a lot uh, the casters in our in our preseason discussion, and, and I think the one thing that we really hit consensus on this team is. This is a team that's like built to win like right now. Like they should actually hit the ground running. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be a tough ask because their first game's against Fnatic. Yeah, no, it's it, that's that's a tough way to uh, to start for sure. And, and let let's get into it. There are the three teams that I think are the the top title contenders for me, just because it has the the mix of talent and experience and. Uh, you know, they happen to be the three teams that went to Worlds for um, prestige for, yeah. for Europe. Yeah, so there's there's certainly prestige there as well. And that's, yeah, Fnatic, G2, Misfits. I love all of these rosters a lot. I, I, I think that um, they, they each made some, some interesting moves that are definitely worth uh, talking about here. Let, let's just go one at a time. I'll go in alphabetical order because I don't necessarily, like, I think it all comes down to preference of what you value in terms of what you imagine is going to be the best title contender here. So so let's start with Fnatic, because Fnatic, they bring in Hillisang now. Hillisang's a guy who, certainly a veteran, uh, certainly a guy who understands how to play the map and does that well. Very aggressive, uh, now being paired with a AD carry that we usually think of for being a little bit more passive in the laning phase, going for objective control rather than those skirmishes. How do you think this spot lane ultimately plays out. Is this Hillisang having to learn how to be more reserved and, and kind of taking that step back to play the Fnatic system? Or do you think that Reckless, having come off the back of his MVP split in the summer, kind of takes that next step of, I'm going to come at you and start uh -huh. making plays a little bit more aggressively there? Well, so these are these are two players that have been around for a long time. I, I feel like nature's going to be hard to change, like old held habits die hard and all that. And and in a way, I don't actually feel like they have to fight over it because they don't want to do necessarily different things. Like Reckless wants to play reserved in lane. Hillisang wants to be aggro, but he doesn't want to be aggro in bot lane. He wants to roam mid and get plays. So I actually think this is perfectly fine for Fnatic. Reckless can literally just sit in 1v2 forever against most duo lanes and be completely fine. 
And I'm actually expecting Hillisang to just set up some like sick plays with caps in mid or something like that. Or, or or go anywhere else. Like, I mean, Shen support is meta. So we could see him going top or like going for like a submarine ult onto like a Broxa Nidalee or something like that. Or Kha'Zix. Like, I, I, I think, first off, this is like a great meta for Fnatic. Yeah. Like, you, you look at like all the all the types of champions that people are playing in the preseason that we've seen in the LPL as of today. Uh and I think this suits everybody, right? Like, so as, uh, I mean, okay, maybe he's going to have to play some dog champs, but he doesn't have to. His NAR is really good. Um, Broxa loves to play aggro champions. I, I want to see more Kha'Zix. I want to see more Nidalee. Uh, I want to see maybe even Rengar pops up or something like that. It, they played it in LPL today. Um, and then Caps can pretty much play whatever, right? Like, he's going to be perfectly fine. Reckless will pick, like, his 380 carries and stick with them. One of them's going to be Kalista maybe this time, but maybe not. Maybe he just stays on Tristana or something like that. Please, no more Kennen. Save it for the top lane. But anyways, uh, I, I think on paper this team is really great because they've made one change, and it's a definite upgrade. Um, Jess has, I think, played out of his mind last year, but I, I think it's it's hard to dispute that Hillisang is mechanically a better player. He's a little more reserved, though. Like, he's not as outspoken. So I think with Fnatic, the only thing that concerns me is, is, as always, communication. Like, this is a team that they, they have had history of, like, having, having comms breakdowns. You know, they, they can get a little emotional. So if they get off onto the wrong foot, that worries me. But if that doesn't happen, I, I, I don't see any reason why they're not, you know, why they're not winning. Like, this, this is the most likely year that they can reclaim that throne that G2 have held on to for, for four splits in a row now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love the way you kind of uh, put that uh, mixture of styles. It hadn't been, uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're, you're right. There's certainly a, a chance that Reckless is like, yeah, go ahead and do your thing. I'm happy just kind of taking this slow uh, and, and playing to my, my strength there. And certainly a guy like Caps and, and Soaz, those are two guys that are very happy if you want to throw some attention their way. So I was like, wait, I don't need to play a dog champ. I can actually go out and do things in lane and someone will help me do it. So I, uh, I, I think that has a, a lot of potential there. And also, uh, again, as someone who, who loves looking at, at coaching staffs and things, uh, getting Young Buck to join, it just feels unfair. Like yeah. Young Buck is such a good coach and has proven himself so much uh, with his time at G2. Uh, and also, like people forget, Jez's, before he came back to Fnatic to play that support position, he was part of the coaching staff for Immortals and had a little bit of uh, analyst work for Dignitas. So yeah, that's true. He's and he's still there. He's still subbing. Yeah. So so that's another I think valuable mind of the game. A guy who's been a veteran for a long time that can kind of, you know, at, at the very least can kind of help. You know, he'll saying like, hey, these are the things that we kind of do with our system and kind of help with the shot calling perspective, kind of making sure everyone's on the same page in that end. So I think there's a lot to really like about Fnatic. I think there's a lot to like about G2, too. Uh, this is the four-time defending champs, but it's mm -hmm. not really the same roster. Um, this, yeah, this isn't, this isn't your, uh, your, your grandfather's G2 esports, for sure. Things are a little different now. They built it around perks. <laughs> yes, which I, I think if you're going to build it around one player on that team, and Sven and Mithy had to leave, <laughs> then, uh, then perks is the guy uh, of those three yeah. remaining. I, I think his uh, playmaking potential has really stepped up. But when you, when you look at the, the four other pieces that, that have kind of come together, how, how well do you think this team meshes on, on paper? Is, is this a, a team that looks like it's going to come together and be really strong right away? Or is this a 
people are maybe giving G2 some legacy points that this roster hasn't earned since it is so new? Uh, I mean, immediately the thing that I think of, quite apart from skill, is, is that this team is full of players who love trolling people. Um, so I actually think that they're going to have some camaraderie there, that they're going to have a little bit of fun. Um, I mean, on paper, it's a great lineup, right? Like, if it does hurt to lose Fenimithi, but if you're picking up two players who I think were you could give like the most improved title to, it's got to be Yarnan and Wadid. Like they're a package duo lane. They're like they're they're more like attached than any like duo I've seen since like Hansam Ignar, and like they're both really good players in their own right. Like I think I think there's there's clear weaknesses there, but there's also like really big upside. Like Yarnan is a guy that can take Sivir and become a god. Um, Wadid is like a really good engaged support. We saw his Rakan last split, uh, really impressively played. Like, I mean, that was the soul of the, of the Rocket team that, that, you know, knocked off G2. Like Yarnan and Wadid were like two of the best players on that team, uh, and most consistent performers. So I think it's a smart pickup. Uh, it comes with, with, uh, Rocket's coach grabs as well. I think, you know, that, that maybe is a little bit of a mixed bag, but then you look at the rest of the squad built around perks. You've got Yankos who is going to be a better jungler to like set up the mid lane, to be aggressive, to kind of come out guns a blazing than somebody like Yankos. Like this guy is probably going to be, if you know, if he's always like in the contention of, is he the best jungler in EU? I think, you know, he probably wasn't last, last year because of trick. Um, and, and maybe, maybe Max lore towards the very end of it. Maybe worlds is coloring my opinion of it. Uh, but Yankos has always been a fantastic player. And again, he can play these carry champions. Like he can set things up. He can make big plays early on. And Wonder's going to be stable. I, I think he's he's a good top laner. He sometimes busts out of that and becomes like you know great for a moment. Um, I, I always think back to like when he played Talia, which was hilarious because I could just be like, yeah, Sun isn't even the best Talia on his team. Uh, 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 uh. Um, but Wonder's a good player too, and and I think like this whole team has to live up to his legacy. So those are big shoes to fill, but it's still an exciting squad, and they still are four-time defending champions. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see how it all works. I mean, we got royalty mixing in there. You've got Lane Kingdom meets the First Blood King. Like, there's so many fun things to talk about. Uh, so I, I think you can always expect greatness out of G2. It's just can they live up to it? Yeah, I I, I think that's very fair. Uh, I loved Hyarnan and Wadid on Rocket last split. That was one of the bright spots for me, seeing how that grew, you know bot lane just grew together. Um, there's a lot of synergy there. I think Wadid uh, in particular really stepped up. Uh, towards the end of that split. I think that his champion pool is expanding, and I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously anything from Sven and Mithy is going to be a bit of a step back, but I, I think people are maybe, like, associating that, you know, it's they were on Rocket, so they're not that great. They were they're a genuinely good bot lane. Uh, I think they might be, you know, they should finish the split maybe in the top half of those bot lanes, depending on how certain things play out. I, it's in play. Um, they're yeah. going to be around that, you know, five, six spot to me when I'm doing my... My preseason rankings, but of course we'll we'll see how some of these other guys develop. I, I they have instant synergy, right? Yeah, they they, yeah. they definitely do. Um, I I am a little worried about Wonder. He's taken a step back in recent years, but I mean, a Yankos is like the perfect guy to facilitate a guy like Wonder, right? Wonder at his happiest is trying to crush that lane and really bring the fight to his opponent, uh, and then snowball off of that. Yankos is very happy to give his top laner some love. Uh, so I do think that that could help out. Um, That's a good point. Like, Wonder has never had an aggressive uh, jungler to 
to gank for him. Like, Trashy can, or Cold now, he, he can do that kind of stuff, but it was few and far between, and he's usually playing tanks. Like, we'd see, like, a level 3 Gragas gank or something. Wonders never really had that level of attention, so I think that does kind of tell, like, have we not seen Wonder at his full potential yet? Maybe not. That's, that's going to be the part that I'm most interested in seeing how it plays out. Um, but this whole team is going to be very fun to watch. I, I Having watched Rocket last split, Grabs surprised me as the, the guy that G2 tapped uh, for the head coaching spot. I would, you know, I, I think Ocelot's a very good businessman and clearly has, has run this team very well. Uh, so my, I'm inclined to trust his judgment, but I'm, I, I thought that was a curious move. I don't know that I would have yeah. I would have done that the same way, but we'll see how. That I don't goes. know if it's a package deal. Like you know, they came. Yarnin did also came from Rocket. I'm not really certain. Like I don't I don't want to like you know again throw a ton of shade grabs away, but yeah, he, he doesn't really have the results to back up, um, you know, necessarily the decision. Maybe this is you know in much the way that it is for a lot of players, put up or shut up here for him. Um, can he can he coach them to success? You know, can he get him in line? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to find out. That's probably the biggest question mark on the squad, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%, and it will be very interesting to see uh, how the system that he creates kind of runs together uh, and develops over the course of the split, whether he does continue to innovate in the way that the top coaches need to. Um, I, last team, a team that I've been calling my esports mistress, because it's not, I'm still like Royal to Rock at, they're my favorite team. I love them very but this much. Is your side team? Yeah, there's there's some attraction there. We're flirting a bit, you know. I, well, I, I, you realize this is public, so if Rocket watches this, you're in trouble. Yeah, I I understand. Uh, hashtag set the rules. Hashtag Rocket win. <laughs> I be clear. That's my team. I love I love them. Oh, I will yeah. stand by that. I love you, Fly, if you're watching this. But this Misfits team is just so fun, and and the way that they uh, developed over the course of the year, uh, I I think that. Maxlor and Han Sam in particular stepped up so well towards the end of the summer split. And then at Worlds, they took even a bigger leap forward. Um, and, and then they got these two Splice players who I happen to like quite a bit. I, I wrote an article actually saying that I think Senkux and Mickey can be an upgrade for this team uh, because I think Senkux is, a little bit, Senkux is a little bit more consistent, not as many flashy plays, but the same style like he okay. loves to roam. He plays a lot of roaming mid laners, like the Cassidy plays Aurelian. He Soul. plays weird stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say Aurelian Soul. Yeah, uh, I mean he doesn't build Nash's Tooth Oriana, but he does do weird shit. <laughs> that that he does, and uh, and then you have Mickey, who not as quite aggressive like big playmaker style, but a very good zoning support, very good in lane trying to mm -hmm. build uh, yeah. things going. So when you look at these changes, do, do you think it, it's an upgrade, side grade, downgrade that'll take some time? Where where do you see this? Th those two uh, changes having an effect on this Misfits roster. Uh, well, let me just start off by saying, like, my, my bold prediction for the split was that these guys win. Yeah. Um, but, like, that all aside, I, I think that the changes in particular, it's really hard to call because whenever you compare any mid laner to Power of Evil, you have to do it with a grain of salt because he just does things so differently. So while Sinkooks has kind of had up and ups and downs in his career, I, I don't think he was at the top of his game towards the end of Splice's uh, summer 2017. But we've seen him at better. We've seen him play really, really well. And I think his, his ceiling is quite high. Um, so for me, like, I, I want to see if he, you know, how he develops. 
what what can Hussein do to, to kind of bring out the best in this player that like Splice was unable to do? Um, and and generally speaking, like is the core around him going to facilitate that a little bit better? Like it's it's always it's it's hard to judge like Splice players like potential versus where they're at because they played together for so long. Uh, Mickey is definitely a little more clear cut because. I think he never really fell off or fell down. He kind of had a very like linear growth path uh, in Splice ever since he joined and replaced uh, Nisbeth back in, God, what was it, 2016 summer, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's he's a good engaged player. I think uh, he's the kind of support that Han Sama needs, but it's how well will they mesh like personally, right? Like I, I look at Mickey and I think he's a little quiet. Uh, maybe he's changed a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Han Sama, I kind of think as well, like he's a shy player. Uh, will he communicate really loudly in game? I, I don't really know how the dynamic will work. Um, if they do get it together, like if they if they're if they're communicating very consistently, if they're obviously like probably duoing together all the time, like that's a lot of talent in the bottom lane. It's definitely hype. But for me, it's always a question of how well used to each other will they get. Senkooks, I think, will be always as always will be serviceable. Will always be stable. He might get bested by some mid laners, but he can always roam and make plays on the side. And then, I mean, the, the real exciting part about this team is Alfari and Maxlar sticking together. Like, these guys, you, you know, two British lads having a good time, going out tonight, and just bashing some heads in all over the rift. Uh, Maxlar was probably one of my favorite players to watch at Worlds, uh, not just because he was repping EU hard, uh, but because he just did it with a smile the whole time. Like, this guy doesn't know the meaning of, of disappointment. He, like, he, he loses. He gets back up on his feet. And he just gets better, like inexplicably. Like people can laugh at him when he sucks, and then he just gets better. Uh, and Alfari is is another top laner who, I think his strength is in laning. We saw in the spring when he first came into the LCS, uh, he was just dominating everyone else in the top lane. He would always have a CS advantage. He would always like reduce everyone else's CS advantage. And that that's that's against players like Odawamne and Soaz. He was still doing this. He fell off in summer, but I think he picked it back up again at Worlds. I'll admit, like, the, the rose-tinted glasses are kind of still on from Worlds. Like, this is a team that took SKT to five games. They beat TSM. Holy shit, Europe, they're so good. Like, but you can't deny, like, they've, they've got that brand sexiness now. Like, they picked up a lot of fans. They, they, they're coming in hot. Like, they, nobody can say for sure that, like, they had massive downgrades. Like, I think a lot of people are missing power of evil. But I, I really don't think Senkux is a bad player. So... Just again, on paper, everything is there to say this team will be at least as good as they were at the end of summer. There's always a reset factor, but I, you know, if anything, like they seem just as certain as Fnatic to be a great team. Yeah, I, I love this roster. I also picked them to be my uh, champions for this split. Uh, ah, you're a man of taste, I see. I, I do my best, you know. I, I, I think that Senkux is, is a great player and, and kind of in the same way that we talked about how Yankos might facilitate Wonder to reach a level that we haven't necessarily seen. Uh, Maxlor loves to make his mid lane look good. Uh, that's something he's done on every team that he's been on, even when, you know, with Rocket, that was, I think, the best bets he's looked in the last couple of years. Um, ah, I, Swain, Swain worked, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, it's relative, right? It's all, it's all relative to an extent, but I, I think that every time I've watched Maxlor, I, I feel like he's such a a perfect example of what I want in a jungler and that he does his job uh, and executes it exactly the way that you would draw it up on a blueprint. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily, you know, I, I don't think of him as necessarily the biggest innovator, but he is incredibly efficient. And I think that he's going to be giving Senkux more attention than maybe Senkux has gotten uh, in yeah. on, on the laning phase and things and how that facilitates 
the roaming style that he likes, that, that makes me salivate. Like, I, I think the potential there is, is huge. I, I think this team's going to maybe slow roll it a bit more than they did last split because no one's going to be as aggressive as Zignar was on, on this current roster. But I think that the team fighting capability here is just massive, uh, which yep. is, is a lot because I, I think Hansam is real, real good. So I, I'm very excited for this team. I'm very excited for this split. I think this is... This is a split that has, you know, on the top half of the, of the bracket, a lot of teams that I think can surprise some people and really come together well. Uh, they, at the very least, building that momentum for the summer split. And on the bottom teams, you know, with the exception of maybe, uh, you know, Giants gaming, a uh, lot of potential here. A lot of young guys that could maybe take that step forward in their careers and, and really, uh, you know, improve and, and become a spicy team that can maybe steal a map or two towards the end, or, or certainly in summer, maybe uh, take that next step forward. So I think this is going to be a really fun split. I can't wait for it to get started. Just three more, uh, four more days. Four more days. Yeah, you, we can you get me both, it's gonna I can't, I need, I need some more league in my life. Like this, this been eSports, so we got a little LPL yeah, today. You know, it was Overwatch League last week, but I, I want EU to start already. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what, uh, what games you're casting this week? I do actually. Um, so I'm going to be on the end of the week. So you'll get to see me with the uh, the G2 Rocket spiciness. So at least we got you know we got that that nice. hype matchup going. And then uh, Misfits versus Schalke. So uh, which, which I was going to say is is actually the one I'm most looking forward to in, in the first week. Um, not just because I'm casting it, but because I already talked about Misfits. But again, Schalke is just it, it it's 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 going to be kind of like a puzzle piece thing, right? Like you've got like one obvious winner in each role. So then you, you kind of like put it together and you're like, oh, I don't know who takes this one. It kind of fits really well back and forth. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just super stoked for it. Yeah, it's going to be a great litmus test as to, to where Schalke is at, at the beginning of the split. Uh, you know, if they, if they do very well in that match, then I, I think I have to put Schalke in, in the conversation where I put those last three teams we talked about. Uh, if it takes, you know, if, if Misfits can kind of run away with it, well, then it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. That's why we have a full season. So it, it's yeah. going to be very fun. Uh, I want to talk about Hearthstone real quick before we wrap up. Because All right, do it. that's what you and I have been doing uh, most, I think. Quarter paper. Sorry, what? <laughs> um. Oh, man. I, yeah, because we've got those balance. Like, Ben Brode hinted that we're getting balance changes in a month. I, like, what are, what are the things that you most want to see them tackle. I think Corridor Creeper is, <laughs> is the first one, I, I think, for sure. I'm so conflicted because I run Ebolidin. <laughs> like, I mean, it's good at every deck, but like, you get it, it's, it's like free on turn five. Like, it's so insane. I honestly think it probably needs to be nerfed to be like your, your uh, minions only, like getting the plus one, because you can still use it like aggro decks, which is what it feels like it fits into to me. Mm -hmm. um, I also feel like Beast Hunter could come back with it, but I don't know. Like, Hunter's in a really bad state. Uh, but other balance changes? Um, let's see. I, I hate Spiteful Summoner, but I don't think it's imbalanced because there's so much RNG. Like, every, the amount of times I see somebody, like, pulling out, like, a coon, the Forgotten King, and I'm just laughing my, my ass off is... Like, it, it's definitely, like, the RNG there is, is like, it's it, it makes it, like, not imbalanced. Um... What's what's like a really busted deck right now? Uh, well, probably the dragon priest or not dragon priest, whatever whatever the priest Ross, is that everyone's Ross running. Piece. Yeah, but it's gonna rotate, right? Yeah. Highlander's gonna rotate out with uh, with the next expansion, so yeah. I, I feel like you don't really need to nerf anything right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of been 
uh, Blizzard strategy. Though, of course, then poor wild players are like, but I have to live with this. Like, that doesn't <laughs> no, that, go away from choice. me. You, you play wild like you've accepted your fate. Like, you've got Dr. Boom in that, in, that, in that shit, man. I don't even touch wild. Dude, Dr. Boom isn't even that playable nowadays. He's too slow. Like, yeah, but I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Like, no. I, I rage quit. I rage quit Hearthstone way back in the day with like Secret Paladin, and like I never want to go back to that, which is why I don't touch Wild. That that is that is very fair. It is it is amazing though how power creep with that game. Like uh, Secret Paladin is like a tier four deck at best nowadays, which is nuts. Yeah. I now I still have the PTSD. I hate playing against it, but like nowadays, like I've been playing Aggro Druid and Wild, and like oh yeah, I win by turn four, like at least forty mm percent -hmm. of my games. Which is just absurd. Um, the, the other thing I, I, I want to touch on is uh, the Hall of Fame. Because we're going to have that, that rotation soon. Here, oh, I, I do have one card that needs to get Hall of Famed. Yeah, Holy I was, shit. I, I was gonna I'll say, give I, you a hint. It starts with an ice and it ends with a block. I hate that card <laughs> so much. I have been, I have so many games. I have been up against Tempo uh, Burn Mage. And I got him down to one health. And I have full board control and 30 health. And ice block. Oh, okay. Next turn, and he like he like Antonidas like double fireballs me, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then next turn, ice block. Like like the few times I run across Exodia Mage, even it's just like super frustrating. I, I even had a game where uh, I don't know if you if you run across this yet, but it's now possible to run Exodia Mage without the quest. Oh my, yeah. Yeah. So like I had this guy because it's um it's because of uh. Crap! What is what is the new card that lets you do it? I gotta look it up really quick. Um, I mean, there's always there's always been the uh, Antonitis for uh, for Sorcerer's Apprentices. So you either Simulcrum right now allows you to, to copy. Yeah, well, and Le Leyline Manipulator. That's Leyline. what it is. Yeah. So like, yeah. So basically, you 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 Simulacrum, and then you Leyline Manipulator, and you like set up the Exodia without having to use the quest. But the first time I ran into this, I was so confused. I'm like, why is this guy just stalling me? Like, does he just have a really bad hand? And then it gets down to it, and he double ice blocks, of course, and then just like starts BM spamming me immediately, and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> and I'm at 30 health, and like I'm playing, um, I'm playing like cube lock or something, so I have like five armor even because I'm I have gold down out, and and he just starts like getting it set up, just spams the fireballs, and I almost wanted to rage quit, but I'm like, all right, you completed it, go for it, and I just I'd never seen that happen before with that quest, and I was just like so astonished and so salty that i had to look it up i'm like how is this possible yeah that's Ugh. uh you can blame guys like dane for that um the leyline manipulator yeah. shenanigans i you know it's I, I think ice block needs to go as well i think that's why the artificer came out that one two for one that gives armor based on the uh mana cost or, of your spell like i yeah. think that that's too idea. much value that's all yeah i i, I agree <laughs> and i think that's one that people have been calling to get rid of for a while um I I uh, I hope they change Corridor Creeper real real hard. And the other thing that I would love, uh, because I play Evolve Shaman, uh, can we not evolve into the darkness that can, then can never be activated? <laughs> like just just please. Like, why does that interaction exist? What's the point of this other than just to hate I, me, Blizzard? Like I saw I saw a streamer I saw that happen to a streamer like twice, and I'm just like oh unlucky. Yeah. Uh, and you can't even evolve it because the once it's evolved into the token, it no longer has a yeah. mana cost, which is so. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it's like Sherizen when he's dormant. Yeah. Yeah, but at least Sherizen starts not dormant. It's yeah. I, I hate that so much, and I miss so, I miss playing Evolve Shaman. That was one of my favorite decks to play. 
there's the flip side of this for darkness um because i have a story about the darkness uh first off i tried running it in like a goofy ass priest deck and it didn't work um but then i don't remember what game i was playing or who i was playing against but the dude like coins out of darkness on turn three and turn one like normal everything happens i think i'm playing i think i was playing big priest so i'm like all right well i'm just gonna you know stall him out and even if i you know even if uh he gets it it doesn't really matter because i'll eventually have like all my taunts and stuff up well the turn after that and I, I still don't have barns or anything, so because you know I'm playing big priest, I'm probably asking for it. Uh, I draw a candle, and then another candle, and then another candle, and I just and I'm just like, wow. And I just, I just had to leave. I'm like, no, I can't win. Yeah. This is this turn turn five, and you have a twenty twenty on the board. Like what? I, I mean, I could have drawn like a shadow or death or something, but I had a really bad hand, and I was just like, what? What is? I tried to do the math in my head. I'm like. I have like 23 cards in my deck. The chances of drawing the candle three times in a row, like, I just was like astounded. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, I haven't had any trouble with that card. That's uh, That one's harsh. My, my favorite was on the subreddit, someone posted a game uh, in which they were in arena and his opponent coined out the darkness. And then he drew all three candles on his turn in a row. <laughs> So it turned for darkness attacking face in Arena. Uh, that game oh, didn't go very oh. well for him. You're going to be surprised to hear. But, yeah, uh, Arena is a fun place to play the darkness for sure. Yeah, uh, Arena Arena's uh, a fun mode. I actually found out recently I have one that was just waiting for me because I just ditched it after a game. And it's like, oh, look, an Arena run for free, I guess, because I don't remember it at all. Um, but, you know, I, I am so happy with how this podcast turned out. Thank you so much for coming on, Devin. Uh, yeah, I, anytime, Chase. Yeah, I, I, I always love talking to you. I appreciate your analysis. I, I feel like this is uh, a great a, a great split to, to kind of be talking about and get excited for. So um, on your way out, uh, what do you want to plug social media-wise or uh, if there's any content outside of the streams that you'd like to direct? Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess I can say uh, be on the lookout for some cool little esports articles. I test ran a thing at Worlds that I called Pirates Postmortem. It's probably going to have a different name, but um, if you like BuzzFeed lists, you're going to enjoy it. And I get to meme uh, under the Lolly Sports banner, so I'm looking forward to that. So uh, shout out to uh, Lolly Sports Riot Games, of course. Um, this is my fourth year casting the ULCS. I'm really excited for it. And uh, do I guess shout out to you. Thanks for having me on, Chase. Anytime. Looking forward to when the thing comes up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you guys should be seeing this, if not uh, right before week one, right after. So certainly while we're still theory crafting on how all these teams are going to do. We're, we're going to be completely wrong. All the good teams are going to lose and we're going to look like idiots. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be madness. Twitter will lose its mind and we'll all take the hot takes of like, oh my God, after two games, we know that these teams are in, are in trouble. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you guys all for, for listening. If you liked it, you know, keep the conversation going. I love talking to you guys. I read every comment. Uh, and of course, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at RedShirtKing. And if you want to hop in my Discord, uh, I've got a link for that uh, in the description. Uh, I love keeping the conversation with people there. We've got a real great group of, uh, of guys that, that kind of hang out in there. And sometimes I watch games live with people so you guys can hear my reactions and analysis as things are playing out, if that's the kind of thing that's interesting to you. But uh, I will be back, uh, if at the very least, I plan on having uh, vlogs every week with my favorite bets uh, for the uh, upcoming week. So definitely stay on the lookout for that. Uh, and until next time, goodbye, Internet.